from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This week, Chaye Sarah. This week, the winter rains are starting to return to Israel, and so the rainy season means a couple of things. One is less expensive plane trips, and the second is that you are invited to join us at the Pardes Learning Seminar. It's coming up at the very end of December, December 29th through January 2nd. You'll have the opportunity to learn with our master teachers of Pardes in Jerusalem. I urge you to check out all the details at pardes.org.il and come and join us. This week, Chaye Sarah with Rabbi Dr. Mish Hammer Kasoy. Rabbi Mish Hammer Kasoy is a member of the Pardes faculty. She's prepared a handout sheet that you can use to follow along with the podcast, downloaded from our Elmont site. And now, Rabbi Dr. Mish Hammer Kasoy. Thank you, Larry. I just celebrated my 29th birthday again. What's really remarkable is that my mother just celebrated her 28th. Why is it that the older we grow, people experience anxiety uh, and even embarrassment about their age, as indicated by the expressions I've been hearing a lot lately, over the hill, past one's prime, geriatric, out to pasture, among other unmentionables. Why is no one calling our elders venerable? The central narratives of this Parsha are the purchase of, the, of a burial plot for Sarah in Hebron and Rivka's marriage to Yitzchak with the help of Avraham's servant. But in the middle of the Parsha, immediately after Avraham buries his life partner, in verse 24-1, the Torah declares something that felt to me truly remarkable. Avraham zaken. Ba v'yamim, v'hashem be'rech et Avraham b'kol. Avraham was old, of advanced age, and Hashem blessed him with everything. Given the stigmas attached with old age in our modern society, I was struck first by the juxtaposition of old age and blessing. I'm not sure it was countercultural then, but I do think that it simultaneously resonates as an obviously true combination and a tremendously surprising one. How can you be fully blessed without having lived? And yet, old age is more associated with decrepitude and deterioration than it is with blessing. That age aside, Avraham is bereaved. How can he also feel blessed? These are what Rashi would call kushiot, objections, confusions that emerge from the text. How could he really be completely blessed given his life circumstances? But I also have a simple question that I'd like to think about today, which is, what does it mean, Hashem be'rechet Avraham b'kol? What is a life of full blessing? And this question felt to me like one of the, <clears throat> like one worth pursuing, not just in a short podcast, but in life as a whole. We all want to live a life of blessing, but if we don't know what that is, how can we possibly get there? And so off I journeyed with the hope of exploring three answers, that of the Gemara, the Svas Emes, and finally to return with a fresh perspective to the simple reading of the text. So first, let's turn to the Talmud, which you can see on the accompanying source sheet if you would like, which proposes a set of answers that I would call fantastical and playful. Um, I love the Talmud's sense of playfulness, and I think the rabbis did great work in the realm of imagination. The rabbis note that not only is Avraham blessed bakol in everything, 
Jacob says to Esav, Yeshli Kol, I have everything. And if you dig around about Yitzchak, you'll find that he too is blessed, Mikol. That gives birth to the phrase found in the benching. Kamoshni parchu avotenu Avraham Yitzchak v'yakov Just as God blessed Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov with everything, 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 from everything to everything, with everything, so too may God bless us. This kolbo fullness becomes fodder for the rabbis in Bavabatra. What does it mean that they had everything? And the rabbis have fun. One suggestion is that they tasted from Olam Haba, the world to come in their lifetimes, moments of ecstasy that weren't just me ain Olam Haba, a little taste of Olam Haba, but were actually a bit of that world to come. Alternatively, or perhaps additionally, the sages suggest that the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, couldn't get at them. This makes the commentators a bit crazy. They were tested. They got rewards. Um, but perhaps they conquered their desire for sin. Because, suggest some of the commentators, if you want something that you aren't allowed to have, you naturally feel deprived rather than blessed. So they must not have wanted anything that was actually prohibited. If that wasn't hard to take, the Gemara suggests two more. First, that the Malach Mavet had no control over them. The angel of death couldn't touch them. And similarly, that Rimavatola'at, worms and maggots that consume the rest of us after our death, couldn't touch their bodies. Surely this too gets at something that we deeply desire, a beautiful death. But the rabbis have constructed a fantastical world that surely reflects not only the power of their imagination, but their most far-fetched desires. At the same time, it does not seem to reflect to me the simple reading of the text. In the, um, there's a second collection of interpretations, which is specifically about Avraham's Bakol blessing, um, which appears earlier in the same collection in Bhavabhatra. These interpretations are not as fantastical as those mentioned, uh, those just mentioned about Bakol Mikol Kol, um, but they do have, they also have a sort of dreamy quality to them that was really interesting to me. Um, first, the first cluster, and this one's really worth chewing over. Uh, Hashem berechet Avraham bakol. My bakol, what does it mean that, God, that he had everything? Rabbi Meir omer shelo aita lo bat. Rabbi Meir says he didn't have a girl. Rabbi Yehuda omer shaita lo bat. That he did have a girl, says Rabbi Yehuda. Achirim omerim bat haita lo laavraham ubakol shma. Other people say that he had a daughter and her name was bakol. Um, oh goodness. There's really so much that needs to be said about that. But in the interest of time, I'm going to keep moving. There's a second cluster that also has two related pr- proposals in my mind. Some sort of prophetic oracle, astrologist, future-telling powers um, Avraham had, and those powers attracted kings from around the world to gain an audience with Avraham. I understand that to mean that Avraham possessed some sort of Solomonic wisdom or perhaps a spiritual power familiar to us from the likes of the Dalai Lama or the Hasidic Tzadik. 
that's one possibility. But there's a there's another aspirational reading, which uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai proposes that a precious stone hung around the neck of Abraham, our forefather, and any sick person who looked at it would immediately be healed. Special healing powers akin to those of the finest homeopaths, modern medical doctors, or traditional medicine men. Both both of these two interpretations propose some sort of conceivable but unusual magical power, almost magical power, that is credited with Avraham that made him an inspiration, uh, an attraction uh, to be sought by people from across the world. Then the, the Gemara goes on to propose two more interpretations in a third aspirational cl- cluster. Um where it asks, Devaracher, what's an, an, another blessing of Bakol? Shalomarad Esav Biamav, that Esau did not rebel in Avraham's lifetime. That is to say, although his, his grandson Esau eventually does become a villain in the Torah, Avraham was blessed with dying and not having to witness it. Alternatively, the blessing Bakol, is that Yishmael repented in Avraham's lifetime. Again, Avraham's, not just his grandson, but also his son, seems not to carry on his, uh, Avraham's heritage and life mission uh, in the way that Avraham would have dreamed, according to the simple text. And what does it mean, so that, say the rabbis, in, that he was blessed by Kol, that Yishmael uh, repented and there in Avraham's lifetime, and so he was relieved of that pain. This cluster cites my mom's adage, you are only as happy as your least happy child. This collection proposes, this second collection proposes, sort of gives three aspirational definitions of what it means to be blessed. The bearing of progeny, specifically creating the opportunity to speculate on why the Torah doesn't mention the birth of daughters. A set of supernatural or nearly supernatural powers of wisdom or healing that are both mythical on the one hand, but unlike the previous Talmudic passage, are of type that we know in our world. They're not absolutely uh, fantastical. And finally, uh, perhaps most poignantly, the behavior of progeny, this sense that Avraham's blessing is naturally tied up with the destiny of his family. If his son or his grandson do not carry forward as part of the great nation that Avraham has been promised, to what extent can Avraham be completely blessed? At some level, I share these two collections to enjoy a fun passage and understand the source of the expression Bakomikol Kol in the benching. Um, but I also find pause in the way, in the things that the Gemara did not imagine were part of blessing exceptional wealth, fancy homes, or cars. And that feels really worth contemplating to me. And at an even deeper level, it serves to open up our imagination as to the grandeur of what blessing might look like, only to feel the dissonance between it and the simple reading of the text. There's little indication in the text that Avraham really had some sort of mythical powers uh, of healing or wisdom, or that he had some sort of exceptional relationship to mortality, and certainly not. Um, uh, certainly, he had a challenging history with both reproduction and child raising. His life is characterized by disappointment after disappointment and test after test. 
And yet the text declares unequivocally, Avraham zaken ba'biyamim v'hashem be'rech et Avraham ba'kol. Avraham is old of many years, and God blessed him with everything. The Sfas Emet explores a different direction that resonated with me very profoundly. He builds on a passage in Midrash Tanhuma, which credits Avraham as the first to experience old age at his personal request. Again, you can see the Midrash and the Sfas Emes in, uh, on the source sheet. Um, until he and Yitzchak, uh, until he asked for old age, he and Yitzchak were as if twins. They were, const- they were constantly being confused with one another as Avraham was not aging. Avraham requested that his age should be visible so that he could be differentiated from Yitzchak and he should get the honor that he deserved. The Midrash thus suggests that being perceived as mature is itself a certain blessing. And yet we've noted already that in our world, age can cut both ways. The Svas Emes builds on the larger context of this Midrash in a way that touched me um, and this midrash there is an extended interpretation of Psalm 104, Barchi Nafshi, that we say on Rosh Chodesh. I read to you from the translation of the Sfas Emes. Um, in Midrash Tanhuma, on the verse, Avraham was old, advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Avraham in all things. It says, Scripture states elsewhere an allusion to this verse, Barchi Nafshi et Hashem, um, Elokai Gadalta Ma'od, Hod va. Hadar lavashto teor kasalma no teshamayim kiria. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with glory and majesty. And the Midrash asks, What prompted David, King David, who wrote the author of Psalms, to bless the to bless the blessed Holy One, Dafka with specifically with his soul? He did so because the soul sees and is not seen. And the, and the blessed Holy One sees, but is not seen. Hence, the soul that sees, but is not seen, um, praised the blessed Holy One who sees, but is not seen. So first, the Midrash points to this commonality between the soul and God, that both of them have an ability to, per- both the soul and God can perceive things, and yet they themselves cannot be seen. The Sfat Emmet develops that. The explanation is that the Blessed Holy One bestowed a soul in the human, which is supernatural, and a person is incapable of really understanding their soul. Thus, a person is driven to believe that even though it is impossible to really understand God's blessed glory, nevertheless, it is possible to cleave to it in the same way that the human body cleaves to its soul. Thus, the soul is uniquely capable of blessing God. And that is what is implied when the Midrash states that Avraham innovated elderliness, zikna. Elder here means that he acquired wisdom. The essence of this is to apprehend, even in this world, the enlightenment of the world to come. And the wise will understand, end quote. What I understand the Sfat Emmet saying here is that our souls are a window to true blessing because our souls are are a window to God. The soul is ephemeral in character 
it's almost supernatural. It sees, but it is unseen. And thus it has the ability to praise the one which sees and isn't seen. And the Svas Emes actually says this remarkably modern and I find accessible conception of the divine. God is like our soul, expanded. The soul is something that we can understand, we have an intuition about, we can attain, even though we can't point to where it is in our body. We can believe in our soul, even though we can't see it. And we admit that we don't understand it, but we deeply experience our soul and we know that it exists. It's true. And through that belief in something that we cannot put our finger on and quantify and identify, but we believe in our kishkas is true. <laughs> um, so too, we can find the ability to abstract and also believe in God, God who's also imperceptible and beyond our understanding. And by abstracting from the way we believe in our soul, we can cleave to God as we naturally feel attached to our soul. This ability to find faith in and cleave to that which is unquantifiable, unquantifiable and incomprehensible is called zikna, wisdom, old age. And this perception, wisdom, zikna, is itself the ability to bless and be blessed. And there's one more paragraph in the Svat Emet that he goes on to add a single, another, another component, a component which I understand to be a further explication of what it means to be fully blessed. And I quote, The request of Eliezer was simply that he should not be delayed, God forbid, in the mission of his master. Similarly, every individual needs to recognize that they are emissaries in this world to do the will of their creator. And similarly, the oath that every individual takes to be righteous and not to be wicked and in truth, one has not completed their mission until they act to move from cursed to blessed by way of faith. That's a heavy paragraph. And there's more in there than I can unpack here. Uh, I want to again point you to the source sheet where I put some of the sources that would help you unpack that further at your Shabbos table if you should so choose. Um, but the primary idea is that even a curse can be turned into a blessing. And the path to doing that is divine is service and mission. Just as Eliezer in our Parsha dedicates himself entirely and selflessly to something beyond him and becomes blessed, so too do we as individuals become blessed by cultivating a sense of mission and service. Wow. The Swat Emmet has proposed an entirely different understanding of what it means to be blessed fully. Cleaving and dedication to someone and something much greater than us, something that we cannot comprehend entirely, but we can feel is real. The Sfat Emet calls this the divine, and a sense of dedication and service to that divine greatness is what makes us blessed, not because of what we have, but because of what we can be part of. As I return now to the simple reading of the text, I'm struck by how well the Spot Emmet's reading sits. Avraham lives a complex life and is called entirely blessed at a very difficult moment. Yet because of the wisdom that often comes with age, the ability to perceive the divine in our souls and in the world and to cleave to that greatness and to serve it, he experienced life as pure blessing. So we've explored the possibility, 
two passages in the Gebara in Bhavabhatra, one fantastical and whimsical and imagine uh, and and full of imagination, one less imaginary, but still with great imagination, um, and more poignant, which points to, um, things that Avraham, uh, to progeny and the destiny of our progeny and our powers, um, and our confidence in our powers, uh, that are an explication of what it means to be fully blessed. And then we've, looked at the Svat Emet who took a completely different direction of what blessing is, a sense of purpose and a sense of wisdom, and seen how amazing it is, really, that Avraham is able to feel blessed and to be blessed even in the context of living such a very complex life. Um, I invite you to entertain the question of what really does it mean to be fully blessed at your Shabbos table this week? Whatever you come conclusions you come to, my prayer to us all is that we should both live with a sense of shlichut, divine mission, more fully, and that we should feel our sense of blessings more intensely. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, Rabbi Hammer Kusawai. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm.